Welcome to the Leadership Lowdown. You found us right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero, and we have a wonderful opportunity to talk to somebody about leadership and about their life in the leadership world. His name is Dr. Jeff Doolittle. He is an executive coach and organizational consultant, and he's also an author of Life Changing Leadership Habits. So I can't wait to unpack all of that. But Jeff, welcome to our show. We're glad you're here. Thank you very much. Great to be with you. Yeah, well, we're glad you could join us, and we've had this on our schedule for a little bit to try to get our schedules connected. But tell me, before we get too far down the road, you also own an organization. Give me that title again. Yeah, Organizational Talent Consulting. Very good. And so tell me, what is that means that you do, and how do you work that? Sure. Well, I live in the gig economy, Vic. So, you know, I have more than 25 years' experience working with frontline to C-suite leaders and leadership development, organizational strategy, execution, coaching, and assessment are kind of where I've focused my career. And today, I do have my company, Organizational Talent Consulting, where I provide leadership development, executive coaching, and organizational consulting. I also am a program director for a graduate business program, an undergraduate business program through Olivet Nazarene University. I do that as well. And so I kind of have my hands on a few different things throughout my day. Yeah. You know what they say about idle hands, so it sounds like that's not a problem for you. You keep plenty busy. So tell me, Jeff, in your world, tell us a little bit about, you and I are making this connection. You're over in Grand Rapids right now. Did you grow up over there? I did not. So I grew up as a pastor's kid, and we, not like a military kid, we moved around a ton. I was actually born in Kalamazoo, Michigan, but okay. have lived in a number of different states. And so I consider myself a transplant, but now I've been here We've been here in Southwest Michigan for about 15 years now, so this is home. Well, it makes you a fun guy to get to know. When you've traveled that much and moved that much, you always have to meet new people, so you got to get pretty good at that, don't you? You do, yeah. And, you know, it does definitely shape your life, you know, when you're used to that kind of moving around. My wife grew up in a home where, you know, she lived in her whole life in that same house in the same city, and very different. We have different backgrounds, and it definitely shapes, you know, how we kind of think about what it is we do and how we look at the future too. Yeah, it truly is different. And I got to believe it does mark you in maybe some good ways and also some challenging ways when you've got that type of nomad feel in your world where you're going from place to place and different opportunities growing up. So you put your roots down in Grand Rapids. How long have you been in Grand Rapids? Been in Grand Rapids for about 12 years. And it's flown by with our kids, three kids, two of them are already out married. And then my youngest is down in college, so, you know, back transitional, uh, transitional empty nesters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and the way it works today, Jeff, sometimes you're an empty nester, and then, whoo, all of a sudden you're not. Here they come back again, right? So that can happen as well. That's right. <laughs> well, <It> can. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about your family, your mom and dad. Did some of the leadership things in your world get formed by them? Oh, man, very much so. You know, I think our leadership experiences, you're a leader in all parts of your life, right? And we definitely are shaped by our families and our communities. And again, I mentioned my dad was a pastor growing up, you know, definitely faith and church had a big part of my life and definitely big influence on the way I look at leadership. And I do believe our background and experiences create our worldview of kind of how we see the world, how we see others. And that definitely influences our leadership and how we approach things. So, you know, I was fortunate. My dad was a really great person and set a lot of great examples for me. But one of the ones I always laugh about is how he created such a strong work ethic. Before I was even allowed 
by age to work. I had gone out of the house and found a job. He drove me, and he had to go in and actually vouch for me because they didn't think, they thought I was too young to work. And they said, well, we need to talk to your parents if you're going to do this. It was, I was under 15 at the age yeah. at the time, and I worked for Bow Wow Boutique, you know, first job. And But he created that sense of work ethic, and I think that came from his life of growing up in the Depression. Yeah, the old, if you don't work, you don't eat, you know, so there's a lot of that in that kind of right. view. But as you think about that, it's just interesting to me that some of the challenges that you get with parents, they do instill these things. But one of the things I think is probably most important, when you're a pastor, it's one thing to preach it from the pulpit, but there's all these eyes that are looking at you and living it in your daily life. And I think that, to me, is probably one of the greatest lessons you must have learned along the way is that, son, this is what we said we were going to do, and now we're going to go do it, right? Yeah, I would say, as a child, I didn't always see that as a gift. Growing up as a pastor's kid, I always dreaded the question, well, what does your dad do? You know, what do you hear does your parents do? Because right. inevitably, you know, once you tell, as a kid, I'd say, oh, my dad's a pastor, people would always start apologizing, you know, oh, I'm sorry I said this, or oh, I'm sorry I did that, oh, yeah. you know, and, and or, oh, you can't do this, or you yeah. can't go to this, you know, and, but you know what I learned is the value of faith, and that I saw it lived out. It wasn't something that was abstract, it was lived, and I saw how God just provided and took care of my family growing up, and that, it was priceless, and I, even at the time, it's not a lesson where, you know, you think, oh, you're going to a class, or formal, hey, here's the concept or the, what we're trying to get across. It was just ensued through life. And it's a value, though, that's priceless, and being well, able to have that sense of faith. It is priceless, and it's priceless to have you with us today right here on the Leadership Lowdown on the Michigan Business Network. We're going to go take a couple quick messages and be right back. For a home equity line of credit, ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to laughq.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. And we're back right here on Leadership Lowdown on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero and so grateful to have an opportunity to spend some time with Dr. Jeff Doolittle. He's the executive coach and also an author of Life-Changing Leadership Habits. And I can't wait to get into that opportunity to discuss with him about his newest book. But before we go there, I want to make sure I unpack some of those early years and understand what kind of made you who you are, Jeff. And so as I think about those formidable years, all of us have had our first career job or our first stepping out moment. Is there anything there that really was a moment that shaped you in an uncommon way that kind of helped you down the road as a young man? Oh, you know, definitely. 
And I would say one that really stands out to me goes back to one of my first real career jobs. So I started off getting out of college with a biology undergraduate, and I went to work as a chemist, and it was work. It was a job. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't until later, I started working towards my MBA, and it opened up some new doors, and I applied into pharmaceutical manufacturing, and then that led into a career that was just phenomenal. And one of my first, what I'd say, that career job where that calling in the area of learning and development and went to work for Pfizer. And at the time, it wasn't, you know, the world's largest pharmaceutical company. Pretty well, it was unknown, but it was at their early stages. And I got to meet a real formative mentor in my life that came in and taught me about how you can live out your faith within work. And I think it was priceless. And it's influenced me throughout my career, as well as even to some of the things that I do now with giving back through as a program director for graduate and undergraduate programs, is about helping others understand how you can do that. So I went to work for, you know, this large company and great opportunity, great job. And one of the first trainings that I went through was around this concept of civil treatment and what conversations can and can't you have within the workplace. And so imagine there's this two-by-two grid. There's the red conversations they said, there's yellow conversations, and there's green conversations. And the red ones were things like politics, and those things they said, you know, you just don't have those at work, because those things will generate conflict and not show respect for others. And then there were yellow conversations, and then these were the green things that you could talk about. And in that, I was really challenged, well, then how do you live out your faith in the workplace mm. in a way that's not, you know, creating conflict for others or threatening or imposing, you know, on other people. How do you do that? And I really wrestled with that. I would say I hadn't really been prepared for it. I wasn't sure. So, you know, I first job, you get the training, you're like, okay, those are conversations that are off limits. I just don't do that. And as time goes by, I ran into a gentleman, Bob Donovan. He was the director for Global Manufacturing's Learning and Development. And that time I was leading the learning and development function for one of our manufacturing facilities. He called me into a team meeting with all of his learning leaders around the area. And he had one of these team building activities where we had to bring an item and then you put it in a brown paper bag and then we would sit around and you'd reach into the bag, grab an item. And then you had to guess who brought it. And it couldn't be a picture of anybody in the yeah, room. So you yeah. couldn't, it wasn't obvious. Yeah. So one of the items that gets pulled out is a Bible. And I remember I was thinking, what? You know, and so someone said, oh, you know, I think, oh, so-and-so brought it. And they're like, no, I didn't. And then, so who brought it? And then Bob said, well, I brought it. This is mine. And he explained how it was an important part of his life. I think it was a family Bible that he had gotten and how he talked about it to his parents and how they influenced him. And I thought, oh, so he incorporated who he was. He brought that into the workplace just as a way to help us understand who he was. It wasn't overt. He wasn't out there, you know, just saying, hey, this is what I believe without context. It was all framed within getting to know each other. And then later, I remember maybe at that same meeting or another meeting, we were walking back and you know, working for Pfizer, I was downtown Manhattan, the New York Times. Oh, wow. It was just in the square. It was just fascinating. And we were walking back from a meeting, and I remember him just opening up to me and talking about, so this is after all the events. Cause, you know, typical, you work all day, go out to eat in the dinner. So this is like late right. at night as you're going back to your hotel room. But he said, hey, let's just walk back together. So we walked back, and we just talked about life. And 
I was like, again, nothing explicit that he said or did, but it was just that he showed me how you could be a Christian businessman and how you could live out your faith in a way that wasn't offensive or out of bounds from what would be considered acceptable and, you know, create any conflict within the workplace. And that was a real gift that carried forward. It's something that actually led me into with the current work I do with Olivet Nazarene University, because just how do I help others that share a similar faith? How can they balance that and live that out in the workplace? Well, and the gift uh, so, it is, because uh, was, uh, when we think about gifts, we oftentimes think about how they're cherished and how they make a difference, and you remember it, and that's just what you did all these years later, and it was a gift. And you're a gift, Jeff. We're so glad you're here with us today on the Leadership Lowdown. We're so glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back. The Michigan Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. This is the Michigan Business Network, and you found the Leadership Lowdown, and we found Dr. Jeff Doolittle. He is a corporate consultant, executive consultant, and coach, does a great job of helping people find their way forward. And you know, one of the things that I can't wait to talk about in our conversation today is his book that he's authored, which is Life-Changing Leadership Habits. That is a spellbinding title for me, someone that looks in is so involved in leadership. So I can't wait to get there. But you know what? How did you get there? Jeff, when I think about people that have the, I guess, the wherewithal and the wisdom to gain all those years that they can write a book, write a book isn't easy. And this book is truly worthwhile. So I know it just didn't come in an overnight deal. What were some of those elements that led you down that path that I've got something to share? I appreciate that. You're not right. You're exactly right. It is not easy. I've heard it equated to it's like driving a car at night in a rainstorm. You know, you can't really see too far ahead of you, only as far as your headlights shine. And, yeah. But you have to have kind of a vision of where you're going. And then eventually you'll get there. But there's at times that it gets a little scary. You grip the wheel and you're not sure. <laughs> you know, and you really don't know where things are going. <laughs> definitely like that. And I would say from a life perspective, you're absolutely right. I would say I'm not the typical journey. I tell you that as a child, I did not set out to say, I'm going to write a book. I never had that. <laughs> that like, was not it, mind. right? No, it wasn't. In fact, if you talk to my family, Vic, they'll tell you, 
I was the guy that said the movie's better than the book. <laughs> I think I'd be the least likely to write a book, you would say. You know, my background was in biology, and I was always immersed into reading and writing, but it was more from a scientific perspective. And so, but things that shaped me early on, even my biology background, one of the concepts in natural sciences is this law of entropy. And for those that are listening that have that science background, they may have heard of this word or others that this could be a brand new concept. But it's the idea that all things are headed towards randomness over time. And it's actually one of the few laws in science. In other words, if we take the parts of a watch and we throw it up in the air, what's going to come down is very unlikely it's going to come down as a watch, right? right. <laughs> it heads towards more randomness. And what we know as leaders, if we're not constantly out there learning and growing and pushing against that force that's kind of heading in to pull us down, we won't get to where we're going. In the food industry, they say you're either ripe and rotting or green and growing. Yes. And it's this concept of, you know, hey, we need to constantly be pushing into. So early in my career, you know, science and just the understanding of this concept, and we know that the brightest and most creative and, you know, work in the best organizations and how do we help leaders? And I really do have that bent of helping others and really trying to get leaders to that next level so that they can actually get more out of life and work. I think too often in my career and growing up and then through examples and then even today working as an executive coach, you hear this, you know, you have to trade one or the other. How do you get more out of life without giving up work? Yeah. You know, and they seem to be on this competing sides of the story and definitely saw that in my life. In fact, you'll even hear some people that are question, you know, is balance even possible? But it was through these experiences like that and then getting into my doctorate program where I wanted to take the research and education. I really feel I've been entrusted with a lot of great experiences. I've been given the opportunities to work for some of the best organizations, work with some of the brightest people. And as a result, I feel that responsibility to share it with others and help others learn from these experiences as well. It's not something to, you know, keep to myself, but how do I help others and help them live lives of success and significance? And so it was in the doctoral program and this idea of keeping it simple, focus on the key aspects of what's important in leadership, and then wanting to take that dissertation and really help others benefit from it. The last thing I wanted was to spend four years working in strategic leadership and pouring my life into that program and having it sit on a shelf somewhere in the library <laughs> that no one ever picks up or uses. Right. <laughs> I was like, how can I get this into the hands of others? And it was on one of my doctoral meeting cohorts and discussion, and one of the folks in the group sent me a private text and just said, hey, you need to write the book. It became clear as day. That's uh, what I should do. And that's where the seed was planted. Well, isn't it interesting... I love your analogy. I just came through some really bad weather coming back from Detroit Metro Airport the other day and driving in a pounding rainstorm, shiny, bright light. It was a nasty night. But you're exactly right. You know where you're going, but you're not sure if you can see all the bumps and curves ahead of you in the next 10 feet or so. So, But you know what? This is why I'm so excited to have you with us today, Jeff. So excited to have an opportunity to unpack all of this right here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Vercherio, and we'll be right back.
Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. Back from the Leadership Lowdown with Dr. Jeff Doolittle. I am taking notes and having a time of my day. It's just so good to have somebody with this type of leadership experience and somebody that has a heart to try to help others along the way. And this is, if you don't mind, Dr. Doolittle, what I'd like to do is get on the couch here for a second and get your help with something because I've spent a lot of time in the corporate world and I've watched as we've seen really great workers. I mean, they get there early. They got super attitudes. They're good natured people. They're smart and quick and a good learner, all that stuff. And what we do with that worker is oftentimes we don't want to lose them and we can only pay them so much because it's what that job is worth. So we start looking at promoting them and putting them into leadership roles. But my biggest concern is that sometimes we take a really good worker and put them in a leadership role because we want to get them more money But the truth of the matter is, it's not their cup of tea, it's not what they want, or they don't know what to do next. Do you have any reaction to those? Has that been your experience too? Oh, absolutely, Vic. Even from a personal perspective, let's just take it there. Early in my career, I remember working as a chemist again, going back to that, I was working right out of college, working as a chemist in the laboratory, moved into becoming the chief laboratory analyst, and it was a way to make more money. Yeah, I did it as a way to make money. I didn't get into leadership thinking about the calling, the responsibility, <laughs> and what it all entailed as much as it just seemed like, yeah. isn't that what we were supposed to do? You're trying to this find a way to provide for your family? you know, climb the corporate ladder, all that stuff. And what you just did is you drew the correlation between what's the calling versus what's the reasoning that you absolutely took that position. So you've had that experience as well. Yeah, so for sure, firsthand. And when I work with leadership teams, I oftentimes talk about we all have two games at play, an inner game and an outer game. And there's an inner game aspect of leadership. It's like your phone has an operating system. You probably don't know what version you're running, right? You're running a version. And the reality is if you don't update it, eventually your apps won't work. We think about the apps, the outcomes, the results, the things that we're doing, but we don't always think about that inner aspect. But it is what silently is controlling the outer game and what it is that we're doing. And yeah, there's so many things, you know, when we do that and we take and put that person in that position without them really thinking through their personal mission and what it is that is driving them to be a leader and really getting in touch with their why it leads to complications down the road and limits their ability to really be effective as a leader. So there's so much more to leadership than just taking it as a job or a natural progression in a job that we need to think about and understand. Well, let me do this, Jeff, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I think you would have some great answers. I've just been named the new boss. I've got this new position. Tell me, if that's you, that somebody's tapped you on the shoulder, What's the first thing you're going to do in terms of saying, you know, these are the first three things or these are the first 10 things. What comes to mind when you're going to start something like that as somebody without the depth of knowledge like you have? Yeah. So I think the first thing to realize is that just like go back to our car analogy, if you look out your passenger side of your mirror, there's a warning there. It says objects in the mirror may appear closer than they are, right? right? And it means that we see the world through our lens. And as a leader, 
you've stepped into this role, you're probably thinking, okay, what am I going to do? And the first thing you think about is, well, what do you think you should do based on your experiences and your mentoring that you've received and what you think works, what works well and what doesn't? And again, we oftentimes base our decisions. We try to do the right thing for what we think that is important. And the first thing to realize leadership, too, is that it's about others. And so you want to think about what has been labeled as the platinum rule, is do unto others as they would want done unto them. And so not just taking your leadership approach from a, hey, this is what's worked for me or what I would want, but really get to know those people that you work with and understand them. And it's different to being the leader than being the peer, but realizing that leadership is about influence and to bring out the best in your people you're going to want to understand them and at a level that you know what motivates them and what reinforces them so that you can start to really bring out their best in the workplace rather than coming in with all the answers and thinking that, well, this is how it has to be. And recognize that there's a situational aspect of leadership. We think about who's a great leader in your life or who's a great leader and you'll get different points of view on that question. And, well, what creates the differences? And there's different situations and different contexts, and leadership is complex. So it's good to understand first that you're seeing the world through your lens, it's others' focus, and that by really bringing out their best, you're going to achieve your goals. And it's a little counterintuitive. You think, I need to focus on what I need, and they're there to help you achieve what you need. But the reality is the way you achieve those results is by helping them achieve what they set before mm. them to do. And that's the really <laughs> profound secret sauce there, I think, is helping others, you know, achieve what they want to do and what they need in their world. And it's just amazing what can happen when that all comes together. And man, it's amazing what can happen when we get Dr. Jeff Doolittle right here on the Leadership Lowdown. We're so glad you joined us today, Jeff. So glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back. Sinair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. We're back right here on the Michigan Business Network on the Leadership Lowdown with Dr. Jeff Doolittle, an executive coach who's coaching us right now through some pretty cool things. And if you could steal the playbook from the top leading player or top leading program, you might want to grab a hold of that playbook. And you know what? That's what I think we've got because he's the author of Life-Changing Leadership Habits. And man, that sounds so intriguing to me. And I know we don't have a tremendous amount of time to read the book here. But you know, 
Jeff, could you give us some kind of juicy potatoes out of that whole thing to give us some really good stuff that we might want to dig into and at least tease us a little bit to buy that book? Absolutely. And I think we can even tie it into some of the things we've talked about today. So I would say that, first of all, realize that, well, how did I get to that topic? It's a big promise. There's a lot there, but I did a lot of research and worked with a lot of others that have done research in peer-reviewed articles on what are the habits that really derail leaders today. And if you could come to my office, Vic, over on the wall, I've got a mind map that has over 70 different habits identified that really derail leaders. And in reality, it's probably even more, right? But there's 70 common bad habits that leaders have that get in their way. And I took that down and really cursed it down to 10 bad habits that are really, I would say, the worst habits I see in the workplace. And just in that, then flipped it and said, how can we come at this from what could bring out the best and really elevate people, elevate profit and purpose so that leaders are living lives of success and significance, that they're getting the most out of life and work. And I'll give you a couple of them. I oftentimes get, you know, what are some of the worst habits that you see out there? Well, one is, I would say, is an absence of love for followers. And we talked a little bit about that in that last segment. Oh, yeah, tell me about that. How as a leader, yeah, so great leaders, they selflessly love those they lead. Selfless love, it influences what a leader thinks. It influences how they feel about what's going on in the workplace. And it shapes how they respond. Leadership is not scripted. There's not a standard operating procedure. You can just pull off and run, and this is it. The reality is that you're going to face times of choice between right and right. You're going to have to make really tough decisions and understand that what this inner character attribute, this concept of selfless love, is the one thing that will impact every aspect of your leadership. And it is the one thing throughout my doctoral research, I've not found any indicator that it creates any conflict in any way. I actually believe it is the secret to magnifying and amplifying the results that you achieve in the workplace. And there's a lot in that in the book. I get into it, and I know there's still a lot you're going to want to understand around that. But that's one of those two that I get the most questions about. Jeff, I just love that. Let me see if I just want to play here for a second, because there's got to be, (laughs) I've met all kinds of leaders, and some of them are pretty crusty. Bulldogs is the best word I could probably use on the air, that they want to just... You know, put their head down and they're going to go and they're going to charge and they become enamored with their title and there's lots going on. I just wonder what kind of resistance do you run into with your executive coaching when you run into the bulldog that says, love them, I pay them, they need to show you know, the type, right? Oh, absolutely. And I love this conversation, Vic. That's actually why I put it in the book is because it's not obvious and yet it unlocks so much potential. Okay. So here we go. Yeah, you ever sure. watch videos on yeah, Netflix? Absolutely. All right, so I do too. So there's a series called Medal of Honor in the United States. Medal of Honor is only given to people that have achieved really amazing things. Sure. And oftentimes it's given after they've paid the ultimate sacrifice. Oh, yeah. Very few Medal of Honor recipients are out there in our military. And in this series, what they do is they take the government's documentation of Medal of Honor recipients and they recreate it. So to get a Medal of Honor, it's not who you know. It's not just what you did from one person's point, but it's from multiple points of data that they've collected. There's a whole case and file that's put behind if someone receives it. And there's very few actually living 
Medal of Honor recipients. Well, in this Netflix series, they actually interviewed a Medal of Honor recipient. And in the lead into the series, it says, like, what does it take to go to war? And in my mind, I have never been in war. I didn't serve in the military, but I would think, you know, it takes, if you're going to get into a battle, you have to just really hate the other person. You have to just really hate and be just vicious, right? And what this Medal of Honor recipient says is it requires selfless love. And man, I just felt like my mind just blew. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Here's this Medal of Honor recipient. He said what it takes to go to battle is selfless love. It is courageous. It is extreme. And in these stories, they recreate these acts of love that compelled someone to step out into a blaze of fire and, you know, to get shot. And actually, the very first one, he gets shot multiple times, falls down, gets back up and keeps advancing. He stepped into that. No one asked him. No one said, hey, you had to do this. But his love for his brothers compelled him to step into it. Let me tell you, love, I think sometimes people think, oh yeah, selfless love is weak or compared, you know, oh, that's, you know, it is extreme. Mm-hmm. It is courageous. I got to tell you, I'm so glad I asked that question because you just answered it in such a powerful way that the toughest of us, this is probably one of the most brilliant, strongest medals within us that we could have. And I'm so glad you joined us. So glad you're here, Jeff, and can't wait to hear more about your book. We'll be right back on the Leadership Lowdown with these messages. Take care. We do office and have been exceeding our customers' expectations since 1984. DBI is celebrating its 30th anniversary as a premier office supply and furniture dealer in mid-Michigan. DBI offers more products and services than any other office supply and furniture dealer in mid-Michigan. Find out what DBI can do for your office at dbis.com. Again, we're out of time, always down to just one last segment. And I'm like, oh, I wish we could keep going because Jeff Doolittle has so much to offer us. And I've got so many wonderful questions I want to ask him. And we're down to our final segment. But Jeff, you mentioned in that last segment, there were a couple of items. And we talked about the last one, which is unselfish love. But what's the other one that you wanted us to know? The second one is the fear of failure. It's that habit that we, as leaders, as professionals and entrepreneurs, there's this fear of failure. And the innovation is increasingly important to every company. And it's dangerous for leaders as well, because you have to experiment. And organizations that really want to get certainty and success and efficiency, you know, they drive the standardization, yet it's uncertainty and risk and failure that actually influences innovation. And so for companies today and for leaders, this 
embracing failure and actually when I say embracing interesting failure, not just failing to fail, but interesting failure that helps us actually compel and advance the organization is another one of those surprising pieces and nuggets within this book that explain how you do that and how can you do that in the workplace and in a culture and as a leader. Well, and as a leader, I think, wouldn't you agree, we have to make it safe for people to fail. Do you agree with me on that? Oh, absolutely. And yet there's some organizational cultures that you fail and you're branded as a failure. But those are cultures, too, that are neither going to be innovative. And in today's world, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. Your competition is moving forward. And so companies have to get around that. And the only way to do that is to embrace this failure. And yeah. to do that, though, is so counterintuitive, right? It's another one of those I like to just highlight because it doesn't seem obvious. Right. And yet it definitely unlocks this life-changing attributes, even in our own life, this concept of experimenting and trying new things. Right. And so many parents don't come in an owner's manual, you know, the parent giving the child an opportunity to have lessons learned. But I think what's important is not to celebrate failure, but to really celebrate what we learn from that. And I think that's the context yes. when I've been managing or coaching people that we've had <laughs> epic failures. We go, what did we learn from this? How are we going to prevent this from taking us down again? What's the new path we found? And I think those kind of coaching moments are really what's all about is how to help people grow and learn. So with the few minutes that we have left on the show today, Jeff, tell me, are there other elements that are just quick headlines in the book that you want us to know about as we think about grabbing a hold of that book and getting it to our team? Sure. You know, I touch on 10 habits. I gave you two at a high level, but these are the 10 that are really packaged around that lead to what I believe unlocks this life-changing attributes, things that are so significant that change your trajectory of your life and your workplace. They elevate people, they elevate profit within the workplace, and they elevate a sense of purpose that unlocks the potential of what can be. I tell you the book too, it's really taken from a I try to keep things simple. It's very concise. That's one of my strengths as concision. So it's a concise manual. It is intended to be provide practical, transformational tools of how you can then live out these life-changing habits. Maybe you've tried to create new habits in the past and haven't been successful. And I provide some tips about how you can break that paradigm, how you can be successful in implementing habits using what the latest research says as can apply to this situation. So I've done the work of research and put that and bake that into the book for you and really try to put it in very practical terms. So I understand leaders are running at a speed of eight on a treadmill, not a lot of time to talk and not a lot of time to read. How can you make the most use of the time that you do have, you know? and really apply it. So it's practical application is what the constant feedback I get from those that have read it and are trying to apply it. You bet. So Jeff, two things. One, where are we going to get this book at? Get a hard copy, a soft cover, or digital. So for those Kindle or Amazon cloud readers, you can get it out there. And it's available just everywhere. Walmart, Amazon, you name it, you can find it. And then you also do this executive coaching. So I got to believe you'd be a powerful asset to any organization to come in and talk about the direction. Tell me, how does that work? If I was a CEO or if I was somebody that was looking to try to at least have a conversation with somebody, where would that start with you? Sure. Yeah. So typically, you know, it's around a given challenge that the leader's having, whether that's retention or it's leadership succession pipeline you know, having ready now leaders that can step in. 
or it's an organization and there's confusion in the workplace, or is the leader just looking to get more out of life and the work again, it starts with that kind of challenge. And then they reach out. You can reach out to me through my website, organizationaltalent.com. And uh, schedule a time, you can put in a request, and uh, typically we get together and just have a conversation just about what is the challenge, what are your needs, what are you looking for, and then we can take it from there as to what makes the most sense. And do you have a newsletter or a blog or anything that people could sign up for to get a regular connection with you? Yeah, I do. Thanks for asking. Yes. So I have a weekly blog that I put out and I call it Organizational Espresso because it's powerful (laughs) tips to help stimulate new ideas for teams and individuals and leaders and organizations. So you can sign up and it's free. I put it out there weekly. In fact, this week's was around the dark side of personality and how that influences the workplace. So you can find that at organizationaltalent.com. I love it. Hey, Jeff, just thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. You've been a blessing today. Thank you for the opportunity, Vic. Well, we're so glad Dr. Jeff Doolittle is here fixing what ails us in so many ways. And we hope the Leadership Lowdown today has given you a little helping hand along the way right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. Can't wait to talk to you next time.